Bibles and want to follow along. We're in Exodus today. We continue our walk through this amazing, amazing book. And okay, I'm trying not to be gimmicky, but I am calling this trick-or-treat. <laughs> you know, I'm not a huge fan of trick-or-treat. And it's not for how you might think. I, I mean, if you think about what's going on and you follow it through with what I hope is the meaning that we're going to get after today, it's, it's actually interesting. But, you know, originally the whole uh, trick-or-treat thing is you get some hoodlum or hooligan and they'd come up to your house in a mask or something and they'd knock on the door and they'd say trick-or-treat. And, and one of the earliest accounts is some little kid with a bar of soap in their hand. Because the trick is a threat. You know, if you don't give me a treat, I'm tricking you. I'm taking your this soap and I'm going to make your windows all dirty. So it's basically extortion, right? I mean, that's what it is. It's not like do something fun. Like we think in now trick or treat, someone comes and say, well, you're going to give me a candy bar. Or you're going to give me a magic trick or something. That's not what the idea is. The idea is hand it over or I'm doing something to you. And I bring it up that way because I, with a question mark because we're in this part of the Bible where we kind of think God is like that. What do I mean? Well, God's like, Pharaoh, let my people go or else what? I'm going to trick you like the world's never seen a trick. Plagues. Honestly, sometimes we think God is like that for our lives. God's out there going, man, I, if you don't come my way, if you don't do the things I want you to do, there's tricks coming on you and not the happy kind. And so my heart, as you would see this morning, the depth of what's going on in this text. And really, I, I could summarize it like this. You guys, you're the treat for God. Do you realize you are God's people and he is delivering you from the world? You're not the world who God is hammering. Those are the cosmic powers of darkness. You are the people he died for. Look at our God go. Look at his power for you. So I want you to see today as we go through, we've been through one cycle already of the plagues. We'll go through the other two cycles before it culminates in the 10th final amazing huge work of God to free his people. But what we're looking at today is, is quite a bit of text. So you might have to really follow along in your Bibles. I'll talk through a lot of it, but I want you to see what's going on, how different this is, that God has the power to deliver you from whoever has you from this world. Okay, so we're in Exodus. If you turn back, we're going to start in chapter 8, verse 20. It's going to start with the fourth plague. So we've already been through three of them. That was water to blood, right? And frogs, just swarms of them, and, 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 and this gnats that took away their comfort. And we're going to pick it up in verse 20. Read with me. The fourth plague on Egypt. Then Yahweh said, and I just want to make you see before we really read it, I want you to be thinking, what is God doing? God did what? And what we're going to talk about first, my favorite, I just have to show you this great picture. Flies. Okay, so verse 20. 
Then Yahweh said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water and say to him, thus says Yahweh, let my people go that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses, and the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies, and also the ground on which they stand. Okay, as you go, it's almost funny. Why is it almost funny? Because God says, go tell Pharaoh this, let my people go, or I, and that just is the same verbs, or I will go the flies. You go this or I'll go that. Sounds like trick-or-treat, kind of. Right? He says, I'm going to send these flies. There's going to be swarms of them everywhere. But on that day, verse 22, I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people dwell. That's where the Israelites were living in this area of Egypt, Goshen. And, And so that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am Yahweh in the midst of the earth. Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall happen. Okay, first plague, and now we're in the new cycle, and it always says with rise up, Moses, and go and tell Pharaoh. So Moses goes after Pharaoh. The second plague is always, in the cycle, is always this idea of they, they go into Pharaoh, not going where Pharaoh is, and the last one he just does. And then do it again, and then we do it again. And this one particularly, I don't know about you, I can share it now because we're in a new building. There was a time when we were in our old building over in 1815 Cornwall where something died in the ceiling. You guys ever walk into that building and it kind of smelled funny? Dude, right over the sanctuary door, some large animal, I won't say what it was, I don't really know, but it died and little larvae or something got in it, right? And guess what happened? It's called flies. And I have never, and I've been to Africa and I've been all over, I've never seen so many flies in my life. And what they would do is they would buzz down out of the ceiling and they would try and get out through the windows. And so there were thousands of flies that lined the windows of the church. So one of the tasks we would do early in the morning is we would go get the vacuum cleaner and you would go up to the window and you just kind of go along and try and then you'd have this bucket full of flies and you'd take it back out and you'd throw them away and then, and then you'd go do it again. And then the next morning, you'd, there were so many flies. And that's not even touching the amount of flies here. And you know what? As I tell that story, my stomach starts to turn because it's gross. And if I would have told you that in the old building, you'd be going like, I'm not going close to those windows ever again. It's just yucky. It's gross. It's, and so these flies are ever Here's God. I'm going to raise up swarms of flies and they're just going to flood you. Fly. Gross. That's what he does, though, right? That, that's it. And Yahweh did so. There came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses and throughout all the land of Egypt. The land was ruined by swarms of flies. Yuck. Now it's not just an inconvenience. It's not just comfort. It's ruining things. God's doing that. Right? And, 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 and so here comes Pharaoh. Pharaoh's like, he called Moses and he said, he said, go sacrifice to your God within the land. Sneaky guy. That's not what, what God said, right? 
let my people go so they can serve me in the wilderness. And so now he's saying, oh, come on, I'll, uh, you can go sacrifice to this God, stay within the land, of course. No, that's not what he asked for. So Moses said, it would not be right to do so for the offerings we shall sacrifice to the Lord our God are an abomination to the Egyptians. These are directly against what you guys worship. You worship these 114 gods. We've got one real God over here. If we sacrifice offerings abominable to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We must go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to Yahweh our God as he tells us. And so Pharaoh said, well, I'll let you go to sacrifice to Yahweh your God in the wilderness. Only don't go very far away. Please plead with me for me. He says, please go tell your God, stop this stuff. This is really bad. Then Moses says, behold, I'm going out from you and I'll plead with the Lord that swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people tomorrow. Only let not Pharaoh cheat. Right? Again, by not letting the people go to sacrifice to Yahweh. That's been his M.O., he says, okay, they can go, and then he changes his mind. So Moses went out from Pharaoh. He prayed to Yahweh, and Yahweh did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh and the servants and his people, and not one remained. This, to me, is the real miracle. Like I can totally get behind the idea that something big died, and a bunch of, like, the Nile River turned to blood. So then God let flies grow and swarm, and here they come. But all of a sudden, to have them all disappear, that's called reorder. That's recreation, right? That's reordering what has become chaos. God let chaos go, and then, boom, reestablishes order again. It's amazing. Can't do that without a miracle. But there it is. But Pharaoh hardened his heart. This time also, he did not let the people go. So this is kind of the deal. And, 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 and if you were here last week, and I said, well, here we go again. And you're going to do a bunch of decks. Well, you're just going to read the same thing. Yeah, it seems like the same thing over and over. Flies. And then and Pharaoh says, okay, okay, you can go. And, 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 then, and then God takes it away. Amazing. And, and Pharaoh's like the um, really amazing miracle means Pharaoh changes his heart and doesn't let him go. Trick-or-treat. And it keeps going, right? I won't read every single one because this is, <laughs> what's the next one? The next one, this is, okay, go into Pharaoh and tell him, I'm going to kill all your cattle, and not just your cattle, but your camels and all of your animals are going to die. Let my people go. And then they do it, right? This disease comes on all of the animals. He set a time, and all the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel. And so Pharaoh sent and looked, and wow, did, 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 yeah, none of the Israelite livestock died. All of our livestock are dying. But it says he hardened his heart. The heart of, heart of Pharaoh was hardened. He didn't let the people go. I mean, think about it. Everything you eat, all your livestock, all of a sudden they're dead and your camels are dead and your, everything you own is dead. I know. <laughs> and 
And then there's this, right? In, 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 in chapter 9, verse 8. Then it starts attacking people. Boils. It's okay. If you can't look at that, just don't look at the screen. Because that's a benign boil. Looks like easy boils. Where, where now God doesn't even talk to Pharaoh again. There's no, there's no argument. There's just the power of God. God says, take a handful of soot from the kiln. That's where they make like pots and stuff. Take just a handful of soot and just throw it in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. And so he does. And just boils break out on all the Egyptians, not the Israelites. So much so that the magicians can't even stand up anymore. By the way, when you read this account and it says magicians, you should think scientists. Because they're like me. I immediately, when I talked about Nile turning into blood, I'm thinking, how did he do that? Could it be a red algae bloom? Could we do the same thing? When God starts doing it, and the magicians are the ones who try and figure it out. And they start to figure it out. But by, by the end of last time, remember, they say, oh, no, the, well, I can't do this anymore. This is the finger of God. There's no way we can figure this out. And now they're the ones with boils, too, and they can't even stand up. God is at work. There's power going on. There's like this amazing event, and it happened. And, and God's at work to deliver his people. The magicians, it says there, I'll, I'll show it to you. It's in verse 11. It says the magicians couldn't stand before Moses because of the boils, because the boils came on the magicians and upon all the Egyptians, but Yahweh hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he didn't listen to them as Yahweh had spoken, as Yahweh had spoken to Moses, as he told Moses. I can't. I wish it, it, it deserves a movie, but it deserves a movie that's not the Charlton Heston movie the movie that's like a documentary because this is real and then you deserve to see as it goes through the alarm bells should be going off because the whole idea in my trick-or-treat mentality is that god wants me to respond to him or else he's going to get me and so there's a very very uncomfortable thing that just got introduced first time what is it god hardened the heart of pharaoh so he wouldn't What? I think the whole thing was like, hey, give me my people or I'm going to hit you. And now it's like, no, you're hardening him so he won't give you the treat so you can hit him? God does that? That's making me uncomfortable. God be doing that to me? It's like, or, or, or my, my family member that won't accept him? It's like, what, what, what I, I start to get like, is God, what's, what, what's going on? I just want you to see it. It starts going back and forth, right? It's not just that, that, that Pharaoh hardens his heart. Now the Lord is hardening Pharaoh's heart. And he keeps going. There's one more cycle. Hail is next. Hail. Let's look at him quickly. Just walk through the story with me here. Verse 13. Chapter 9 says, so Yahweh said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh. Just this is the new cycle, right? This is the first one. Get up early, go where Pharaoh is, meet him, tell him. 
Thus says Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go so they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and your people so you may know there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose, I have raised you up to show you my power so my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people. You will not let them go. Behold, this time tomorrow, I'm going to cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never been seen in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. So therefore send and get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter for every man and beast that's in the field and is not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. Whoa. Kind of interesting though, now there's this choice thing. Hey, this is coming, I'm telling you. And he says, then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves, his livestock into the houses. Whoever didn't pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and livestock in the field. And then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand towards heaven so there may be hail in all the land of Egypt on man and beast and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. And Moses did it. He stretched his staff towards heaven. The Lord sent thunder and hail and fire down to the earth. This isn't your normal run-of-the-mill hail. You guys have had that, right? Little tiny pieces of ice that hit your windshield. And you're like, oh, yeah, that, that's kind of inconvenient. It makes too much noise on my roof. This ain't that. God causes fire to fall from the sky and kills. Okay, medical Swanson over here. I thought all the livestock died. Now hail is going to kill more livestock? Yeah, the idea was is that many, 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 they had piles of dead cows. And then of the one that's left and they're huddled together. And now God says, I'm giving fire. And there's fire down and it doesn't just kill the cows. It kills people that are in the field. Okay. Kind of a beautiful day to be talking about plagues. And also talking about God who then killed. What about the poor slave in the field? God just kills him? He did. Making me uncomfortable, Swanson. Yeah, me too. The mighty power of God. He is powerful. Because there was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very heavy hail, never been at the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck down everything in the field in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail struck down every plant of the field and every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. See, where God's people were, that didn't happen. What's being said, you guys? You say, well, God's not very kind to those Egyptians, all the people. Who made all those people? Whose people are they? Who is God? Who do you think he is? 
I so often think that, oh, well, God's kind of this kind of apologetic guy who knocks at my door and asks if I can come in. What? God formed your very inward being. Jesus holds everything together by the word of his power. Our whole idea is that God is Our knowledge of God is that he's so much vaster and bigger and more powerful than anything we could ever, ever do. And and, and how would I ever think that God's not doing exactly what he wants every moment of every day? Well, he wouldn't want to disturb me. That's not God. That's not this God. Okay. There's a little more. Pharaoh sat and called Moses and Aaron. He said, this time I've sinned. Y'all, my people are dying. Yahweh is in the right. I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with Yahweh, for there's been enough of God's thunder and hail, and I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. And so Moses said to him, well, as soon as I've got out in the city, I will stretch my hands to Yahweh, and the thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail. So you may know that the earth is Yahweh's. You see, the stopping of it is as big as the start. But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear Yahweh, God. And just as a parenthetical, the flax and the barley were struck down. The barley was in the ear. The flax was in the bud. It means they were there. And if you crush it and you burn it, I mean. But the wheat and the emmer were were not struck down for they were late in coming up. They hadn't come up yet. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and stretched out his hands to Yahweh and the thunder and the hail ceased and the rain no longer poured upon the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and he hardened his heart. He and his servants, what? What's it gonna take to just say, okay, take them? Because this is huge. And it says, so the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. He did not let the people of Israel go, just as Yahweh had spoken through Moses. At this point, if you're with me, and this reason why we're doing all of these all together is because they're one scene, it's one thing. You're not supposed to say, oh, well, let's dissect this plague and think about how this one goes and that one 10, 14 weeks thinking of... No, this is, this is a picture. And what's the picture? God's incredible power and the world that won't say I give up there's more (laughs) what's next locusts that doesn't seem as bad as hail yeah just wait (laughs) well again let's go quickly so for chapter 10 the Lord said to Moses go into Pharaoh Now it's the go in. This is the second one. For I've hardened his heart and the heart of his servants that I may show these signs of mine among them. And you may tell in the hearing of your son and your grandson how I've dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I've done among them. And you may know that I am Yahweh. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and said, thus says Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I'm going to bring locusts into your country. And they'll be like, well, he's already done flies and gnats. I mean, how bad can locusts be? Bad. 
Locusts eat everything. They destroy lands. And then people won't have anything to eat. And they'll starve to death. And remember, there's wheat and emmer still flying around somewhere. They shall cover the face of the land so no one can see the land, and they shall eat what is left to you after the hail. They shall eat every tree of yours that grows in the field, and they shall fill your houses and the houses of your servants and all the Egyptians as neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen from the day they came on earth to this day. And then he turned he went out from Pharaoh. You see the escalation, right? There's more and more and more. And now Moses is like, <clears throat> and then he leaves. So Pharaoh's servants said to him, how long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go. They may serve Yahweh their God. Do you understand? Egypt is ruined. Pharaoh's servants are like, you're crazy. You can't say it that way because Pharaoh is, is by his very definition, the son of a God, Ray, the God of light. That's Pharaoh. So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go, serve Yahweh your God. But which ones are to go? So Moses says, We'll go with our young and our old, and with our sons and daughters, with our flocks and herds. We were all going to go, right? We've got to hold a feast to Yahweh. And Pharaoh said to them, Yahweh be with you. If I ever let you and your little ones go, look, you have some evil purpose. I don't trust you, says Pharaoh. You're going to take off. It's not about trust, is it? It's about the whooping that God has given him. Why is God giving the whooping? Let my people go. No, he says, go, the men of, this is Pharaoh talking, and go and serve Yahweh, for that's what you're asking. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Go, just the men. That's not what God wants to happen. His people are not just the men. So Yahweh said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts. They may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every plant in the land, all that the hail has left. And so Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt and Yahweh brought an east wind on the land all day and all night. And when it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. The locusts came up over the land of Egypt. They settled over the whole country, such a dense swarm of locusts as had never been seen before, nor ever will be again. So many crop-destroying, eating locusts. And they covered the face of the whole land, so the land was darkened, and they ate all the plants in the land and all the fruit of the trees that the hail had left. Not a green thing remained, neither tree nor plant of the field through all the land of Egypt. Everything that was alive got eaten, and everything that was alive is now dead. Then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron and said, I've sinned against Yahweh your God and against you. Now therefore forgive my sin, please, only this once, and plead with Yahweh your God only to remove this death from me. And so he went out from Pharaoh and he pleaded with Yahweh, this is Moses, and, and the Lord turned the wind into a very strong west wind which lifted the locusts and drove them out into the Red Sea and not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt. Boom, they're all gone. I said, okay, Dax, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting bored with this. This seems to happen over and over, and the Seahawks game is coming, and I, you know, stop! 
This is like the greatest disaster that could ever befall you. Just befalls you and all of a sudden, boom, and you're, you're going to die because you just ate everything that you own. And then with a blink of a switch, God just takes it all away. Who's got the power? He's got the power. This is Yahweh. This is God at work. But Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he did not let the people of Israel go. Something's going on I don't understand. If the idea is punch, trick, so I get my treat, God says. Why is he making it so the guy won't give him his treat? One more and we'll we'll summarize. And we'll answer that question. Don't lose me. This is kind of important. Last one's darkness. And it's, again, without talking to Pharaoh. Yahweh says to to Moses, stretch out your hand towards heaven. There may be a darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand towards heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt. Three days they did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Over in Goshen, it's still light. But where the Egyptians were, you couldn't see, and it was so dark. They felt it, and they didn't leave their house, and they didn't go anywhere because they just stayed because it was so dark. And so then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go serve Yahweh. Your little ones also may go with you. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. That Moses said, You must let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings. We may sacrifice to Yahweh. Our livestock must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind. So we must take them to serve Yahweh our Lord. And we don't not know with what we must serve Yahweh with until we get there. But Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart. He wouldn't let them go. So Pharaoh said, get away from me. Take care never to see my face again. For on the day you see my face, you shall die. Moses says, yeah, as you say. I won't see her face again. Okay. We just ran through the plagues. Six of them. Two cycles of three. Setting up. Now we've had three cycles of three, which is the number of perfection. Three times three. And we're ready for the main event. Why do we spend this time running through them? Why is God doing this? Why, God? And I think it's a really important question. And, and, and I, I think I want to go back and just show you just two little tiny passages we ran through them so fast, you know. So if I go back to chapter 9, 14, when, when God through Moses speaks to Pharaoh and he says, for this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself, talking about the boils, on you and your people so that you may know there is none like me in all the earth that you might know deep in your heart, God says to this Pharaoh, there's nobody like me. Because he says to Pharaoh, by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence. You would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose, I've raised you up to show you my power that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. So God to the world, to the cosmic powers, because Pharaoh's the son of a God, the light God, the sun God, and that was the ninth plague, right? To take that away from him. 
for three days, by the way, if that doesn't echo Jesus in the tomb, I don't know what does. To the cosmic powers, there is none like God. I am stubbornly and powerfully going to rescue my people and you will not stop even one cow that I want to go. Right? That's the Pharaoh, that's why. So he hardens his heart, so it's not like, well, I got so You see Pharaoh over and over, that's what he's doing. He's trying to bargain a little bit. He says, well, you can go with the men, or don't go very far, or you can take the women and children, but not the livestock. And each time it's like, shut up. Did I say what I wanted? What am I getting? That's to the world, right? And, and look what he says to, to Moses in chapter 10, verse 1. The Yahweh said to Moses, go into Pharaoh, for I've hardened his heart. Yeah, Lord, I really struggle with that. And the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you may know I am Yahweh. Very different feel, right? I am being harsh to Egypt. They are picturing something so that you can tell your kid and your grandkid, look what God did. What did he do? Look what God did to deliver me. That's what Moses is going to be telling his kids. Not look how harsh was and how powerful he is and you better get on your knees fast or he's going to hit you. No, it's like, do you understand the depth to which God went to rescue you? Do you realize what he's willing to do? Because that's the picture that you need to think of today. I just what about us just for a minute I know we need to be done but you need to see this is the point it is not a trick-or-treat God unless you're Pharaoh and I submit to you that in this passage what's being pointed forward to is the cosmic powers of this world who God in Christ he goes and he rescues you from who are you here is treasure caught and enslaved even not understanding how deeply enslaved you are and God says hey look what I did I hardened Pharaoh's heart this guy got to be an image of the horribleness of what you were enslaved to and let me show you what I'm going to do and I will alter creation for you and I will suffer death for you. Because that's what Jesus did for you and me. We're not even to the main look at Jesus. That's next week. But all these lead up to this most incredible thing you can ever have in your whole life. That we are the treasure. And that God in Christ has freed us from the principalities and powers of darkness. And as he did that, he showed his amazing power. But it's not about him wanting you to somehow get, man, I wish you would just... Give me my treat of obedience or whatever you think it is so that I will bless you with a little bit of stuff. 
This is so much more than you can ever ask or think that God in Christ has rescued us from the domain of darkness and has set his spirit upon us and we will be with him forever having been rescued from principalities and powers you can never even understand and you are his. And you walk around thinking I'm his and you walk around going the king of the universe who alters creation, who's able to do anything, who moment by moment holds together the world. That God is the one that freed me. We read it this morning, maybe you rushed right over it, how creation is groaning, and then there in 8.19, creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And sons is just a people. Doesn't mean men. It means you realize all creation is waiting for the revelation of the great work of God that has freed his people. And so, who are his people? You. Me. Oh, I'm so small. I'm so unable. I'm not the person who's holding on strong against God and God is kindly just... No, God is like rescuing me and grabbing me and, and, and changing my heart and changing yours and he's going to have you forever and he's, you're a treasure to him. This is God. Jesus Christ saving us from the world, from sin and death. We don't do it ourselves. It took, it takes a seismic action by God himself, a reordering, a recreating. Pharaoh isn't you. Pharaoh represents the world, the cosmic powers of darkness that will not release you. And God says, I will not be thwarted. It's not trick or treat this morning for you and me. Absolutely mind-boggling it is rescue god rescues you take it in do you think your paltry little sin is going to stop god from delivering you do you think that god's at your door begging you to give him a little something hoping you'll choose him give him a candy bar so he doesn't put soap on your windows no our god in christ blasts down the walls that enslave you and he rescues you forever. Praise be to God. It is finished. Let's pray.